0: Hey guys what's going on what's going on with you oh my gosh well I'm cut that off because I don't want them to take my stuff down saying I'm infringing in the songs and stuff so I have to use my background music that has been given to me So anyway how you guys are doing out there I am like Lord I am really feeling sluggish I really am. It's unbelievable that it's going on 1 o'clock already. And I've been up, but yesterday I did a lot of paperwork. Really got... I ain't gonna say I got stuck, but um, I had checked my email and I saw where SBA had sent me Another email stating some other stuff that they need. I didn't give up on it. It's just that I had to walk away because I was getting frustrated. And so it really, they want to, buy the ministry being a corporation. And it's, it, we've been a corporation for a while, but they wanted other documents. And I'm like, are y'all serious? So I kind of took my time and just went through some stuff. And so I just want to encourage you guys out there that still being denied, okay, you might have to do a, go the extra mile and just see what they, they call them first, you want to call them first, and then reply to the email, don't start a whole nother application because it's going to, it's going to uh, place you back in the holding cell reply to that email that's within the email okay they give me another email address with your application number always have your application number now where I did messed up at I forgot to put my application number on all my documents but they had me to literally redo that whole thing over again which I did the last time and um because it's a nonprofit, they wanted me to submit other information, our liabilities, you know, our accounts payables, I mean, really your financial documents that I teach everybody else to get, and then use their form. Well, their form is more detailed, so that means you have to go and pull up your files from the 2019, so I had to go and pull up my files from 2019, and search through and find you know some type of receipt just to confirm okay this is a uh, accounts payable. this is what i have to pay this is the receipt that i've been paying you know stuff like that and i'm like okay y'all reconsidering me for what how much it better not be another thousand dollars and i'm going through all this here give me some working capital the ministry you know what i'm saying that we can really really do what we need to do what god has given me to do <laughs> you know and so i just want to encourage you guys out there don't lose hope i know it's frustrating and i also i also sent a letter to my congressman find out um, because I heard that that is putting some fire underneath SBA representative, especially the new director. And because they bragging, you know, they bragging that they got all this money out here for the small businesses, but no businesses are uh, applying. No, that's not true. Businesses are applying. Y'all keep rejecting the businesses, you know. And so if you have all your documents and everything that they ask you for, send it to them. So I said, okay, Lord, I took, I really dedicated, I took my phone on Do Not Disturb, and I really took my time today, you guys, yes, I mean yesterday, I really took my time yesterday, and literally went through and checked off everything, made sure every I was dotted, T was crossed, I made copies, and then I scanned it in and attached it to that email that they asked for, ooh, the bus and stuff was gone, I wonder where they took those people, because over the weekend oh my gosh that hotel was packed and it had the the big um buses what's wrong with this this truck here in the middle of the doggone street bro you need to put on your um hazard lights wow y'all see what i mean man you have to be careful driving out here and so as i was speaking you have to um, just go to Esther Mile because the money is there. You're going to have to use your faith. I prayed over it. I said, Angels, bring this thing to the top so this money can be released. <laughs> you know, and so yeah, we've been, I've been back and forth with this thing since May, man and uh, I say I'm going to get it I'm claiming it I'm going to get my money Uh, I'm not just going to let them take that away you know from me and y'all should do the same don't allow them to keep denying you over frivolous stuff and then call them because for the ministry side the lady said it was the zip code the mailing addresses didn't uh, match so on the new form that they sent me they asked me, what's the address at that time, what's the mailing address, and any other mail address. Guess what? I'll put all the addresses on there. I say y'all not going to, y'all going to fix y'all, you're not doing this to me like this. No, 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 no. How about that? So, with that said, I, I'm going to um, do my little rapid hold on that they have wind that they investigated some of the lenders for the PPP, you know, because uh, they had a lot of people didn't receive their money, y'all. Uh, they had a lot of, a lot of small, uh, a lot of sole power that went through that uh, PPP process.
1: They
0: did not receive the deposits or they received their first deposit, did not receive the second deposit it was denied or canceled and after they signed the forms. So um, they're supposed to be going back. I got rid of that from one of the uh, colleagues that I follow on YouTube. So excuse me. um, So I'm going to confirm that, uh, you know, I'm going to go back and really dig into it and see what's really going on with that. And until then, you guys, just go ahead and follow through. And those that do have their PPP, they have changed the process. But I'm going to give y'all a heads up because I've been on the webinar. They changed the process that you can uh, submit your own PPP forgiveness. However, by next year, they're going to be requesting those financial documents. Like I tell my clients, hey, of course you can do it. Yeah, because they don't want to pay me that accounting fee. But you're still going to have to pay for it because they're going to ask for it next year. So, why not, when you had your PPP, take that out of that money for accounting? You can write that off as a business expense. Pay area management to already have your stuff. In sync by December 31st. When you send the rest of your stuff. But you know how that goes. So yeah. That's the kicker part right there. Y'all go ahead. Don't check those emails. Check the spam. And make sure. I will just go ahead and type in. PPP forgiveness. And any emails that come in. That may fall into the spam. Or junk mail. It'll pop up. And just follow those instructions. You have your loan amount. Um, they're gonna ask you for that for your loan amount and your social security number, or if you use your EIN number, they're gonna ask you for that. Go ahead and put it in. Start the process. And it's very. It takes like maybe five minutes, y'all. That's how easy it is. Five minutes, you guys, for you to do that. And uh, and be truthful. And just be careful. They're going to ask you how much went to payroll. Remember. Remember. Most of that money was supposed to go to payroll. If your sole priority is supposed to go to you. But you have to make sure. That you have the right percentage. So you can get that forgiveness. I see they got their little calls back. Yeah buddy. You have to make sure. Because what's going to happen next year. When they say those letters they want you to turn into um they want you to email your financial documents and you're gonna like well what it's your financial document is not just a spreadsheet all right it's not just your spreadsheet it's your whole accounting system for your business and see that's what i was doing yesterday for the ministry so all right I'm going to holler at you later. I, I have to go and uh, I have to go and find me a dress. My war show next month. And it's September. It's going on the second week of September already, you guys. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So, I'm going to try to find my dress. Because the dress that they sent me, I didn't like the thing. I sent that thing back. I'm like, what in the world is this? It's not even the African print I wanted. (laughs) No, y'all can have this. I don't want this. So, y'all be cool out here. Hydrate. Because I know for a fact I'm going to definitely have to go and get me some water. Like the other day I had some lemonade. Oh my gosh. That's the first time that I had um, the lemonade. Chick-fil-A for a while which was phenomenal. It was delicious. Guess what? I put it on top of the car. Forgot it was on top of the car, y'all. Pulled off. Y'all know what happened. Yep, fell. (laughs) It fell. Oh, thank God, Lord. So, alright. I'm going to chat with y'all later. God bless y'all. Don't forget, go ahead and tune in to uh, the Boom Factor. You know, subscribe. Hi, how you doing? I hope I got this right.
2: Yes.
3: strong relationships and this is what we're looking for so we build relationships all the way from the governor's office all the way down to local mayors and through that strengthening we're going to have again this development in um, the city of south Fulton and other opportunities Uh, but i would say our strongest um, strength was we were able to advocate and educate and definitely uh, we have brought all partners together and um, we're just excited about the season that we're having in Georgia.
4: That's awesome and amazing. Thank and you. Yes, groundbreaking. Um, and so, I would, you know, think about like what what about those things that are replicable in other. I know that there's a uh, was a question about is this is there something like this in Charlotte, and then what about this is rep uh, replicable. Um, and so, are you all um, helping other states or other chambers to figure out how I'm to? So excited do this. to ask this? Yes. <laughs> I, I'm from Louisiana. So, hey,
3: Charlie, Bruce, sorry. <laughs> oh, I'm from Louisiana. So, of course, you know, I'm bringing it back home to my state. And we're getting ready to partner with Vera Hall in Mississippi. She was um, honored by the SBA as one of the small business. um, And we're gonna start this initiative in um, Jackson, Mississippi.
4: Oh, nice.
3: Yeah, and and check this out, Miss Vera is a contractor. Oh, yeah. So crazy. we're really building bridges, and and that's what we're known for as the chamber. Um, we have a great relationship with the Hispanic Latino community. Uh, we have LBGQT. I mean, we just partner with everyone, white, Caucasian. So we're saying, okay, you guys want to partner with us? We're partnering with you. Um, even though our name still stays the same, our mission is the same, vision black chamber but uh, we're just so honored and happy that uh, the partnerships and alliances that we have created uh, and that started before uh, covid so it kind of made it easier for us um, during covid not that much but we had certain relationships that we have with our u.s senators and legislators and we were able to say okay well, this person is having issues with a PPP loan or um, PPP and other with the idle, um, and we were able to really get in uh, and assist so many businesses. And yes, we work with like banks as well and our local mayors. And so we're excited, and we have like
4: um, ten mayors who want us to come in their city. Oh, nice! So you all yeah. are going to be on the road doing. A- Training, well, well, much. Felicia, you you
3: get in my mind. I think, <laughs> check this out. Our vision is to get you know. and I tell people this, and they say, "Okay, you guys want to go on vacation, right?" I'm like, "No, we get we're looking to get us an RV camper." And what we call it is pop uh, pop up shops. Where we go across the state of Georgia and set up shops, and we'll help businesses whether it's from how to do a business plan, where to get finances, registering with the Secretary of State. We will be well equipped. We will offer technical assistance. We have partnered with black black businesses, um, technical, black people in tech. It's a huge network, Mm -hmm. network. this is one of our partners. So we're gonna be able to give technical assistance. We're gonna help with marketing. We're gonna help businesses um, Mm -hmm. right there on the scene, on the spot. So we're excited about that too. And coming soon, we're looking to have our own building where um, you can fly in from anywhere in the world and do business in Georgia, and we will have everything set up for you, including um, an executive assistant, and we'll have a limo pick you up at the airport. Oh, you coming to a city near you. Did you all hear yes. that? Yes, oh. coming to a city near you. We're excited. Um, um, this is some great opportunities. Uh, you just have to take the limo and then try to make the best lemonade possible. So that's what we're doing. Definitely I'm not downplaying the challenges because keep in mind at the peak of the pandemic 41% of life businesses um, were shut down yeah. so we're trying to get businesses to evolve, change a little bit, add a little bit, um, restaurants closed, and we're saying okay you know the next thing is to go orders, um, delivery so we help businesses um, in that capacity uh, but Yes, we do know um, COVID really changed this, the way we do business, and
4: Great. we're we're not going to downplay that. Great. And so, Melinda, we're going to I'm sure there's some. I think in the chat there, uh, there's a request for you to put contact or resources or how they can learn more about um, what you're doing. I know someone asked about about in Charlotte, how they can get connected in Charlotte, and any anyone else um, can help her get connected to Charlotte. And and then I'm gonna I'm gonna open it up for questions in a little bit, but I want to get a uh, VR in here to talk talk from a veteran's perspective about some of the work that they've been doing um, supporting uh, veteran businesses and businesses of color.
5: Um, so VR, talk to us a little bit about that. First, Alicia, thank you guys for the invitation. This has been super exciting hearing all the work you all are doing because one of the things we want to do is partner with more chambers. We are a benefit to the chambers because we have gotten all the information that's available to veterans, and so we can help your veteran entrepreneurs connect to those various resources. The Veteran Women's Enterprise Center is a national initiative. Um, During COVID, we went completely virtual, and we were able to serve veterans across nine different states, and we want to continue to expand that service. When we think veteran, we don't often think women, and we definitely don't think women of color.
0: Yes. But our,
5: our statistics from 2020 show that 96% of the women we served identified as African American. And so yes. it gave us a unique perspective into what's going on with our women of color who have served our nation. And one of the things we found was that a lot of our women are particularly great at their product or their services, but they did not get that foundational uh, support to set up their businesses. And so unlike some of you, our businesses were not ready to take advantage of PPP. And they spent a lot of times running around and found out that those of them that have bank accounts with some of the major banks because they didn't have credit or loan accounts were not considered one of their high-end customers and were not reached out to or even engaged for those PPP loans. So getting these businesses structurally sound as some of you already mentioned is uniquely important. And the other thing that we learned that Funding, we knew that a lot of that funding was gonna come in. We got one of the first grants exclusively for women veteran entrepreneurs um, in the DFW area. And we launched our Next Level Business Transformation cohort. And those ladies are still working together today, getting each other contracts, sharing information, um, staying connected. And we found that those small groups are very important because as a military, we're like a family. And so this is a chance for them to build that camaraderie and begin to collaborate in the way that they did in the military. We also know that federal contracts are set aside for veterans. So we've been working really hard with our NLBT Fast Tracks to Contracts, which will be funded this year by USAA, to help veterans learn how to access these federal contracts. So we take them through a 14-day simulation that literally helps them source, write, and submit a contract. So now you've learned how to fish and you join this alumni of other businesses who have on through this process, so that you can now start subcontracting and teaming to build your resume. The other thing that's critically important is finances. So we have launched our financial first bootcamp with SMU, and that's going to be funded by BBVA to really make sure they understand and can talk finances, not just someone running you through. Here's your finances, property and loss, balance statement, cash flow but really they understand the ratios, how banks look at their finances, how credit bureaus look at their finances. And when they're having a conversation with a potential lender or even an investor, that they can speak the financial language and feel comfortable articulating that language and understanding the value of their business, the equity that they put into their business and what their business brings to the table that these investors and banks would be interested in and wanna support. Last but not least, we saw a real divide with technology. And so we started our technology tactics that were also learned this year. Really helping businesses build their CRMs. You know, how do you stay in contact with your clients, which is critically important last year? You know, what do your clients need? Because people are buying things that they don't need. And how do you communicate with them effectively? Segment them so you can keep the clients you have and then gain new clients. Understanding business analytics, which a lot of our businesses of color and women do not understand how to how to find their analytics and then how to use them to really build their marketing campaigns, their sell campaigns, to engage their clients on a higher level and really make the most use of every resource available to them. And then last but not least is automation. Our small businesses particularly our micro business one and two people are spending so much time trying to do things manually when there are automation tools available to them that they're just not aware of in technology so we focus in on that we run two events each year felicia that one is our women's veterans day i don't know if you guys know but in texas June 12th is on the book it's women's veterans day and nationally it is on the platform to be women's veterans day across the nation So every year we run a statewide pitch competition, not just for women business owners, but women veteran period that have innovative ideas, as well as those that have multi-million dollar businesses to highlight what our service women are bringing to our state. And coming up, and I'm glad the restaurant people are here, um, is our 2021 pitch platform that is focused on restaurants, retail stores, and event facilities, because those areas were hard hit through 2021. So we want to make sure we can give back. And that program is being sponsored by J.P. Morgan Chase, 7-Eleven, Frost Bank, and our local Dallas ISD. We want women entrepreneurs associated with the military, and that includes veterans, active duty reservists, as well as military spouses, to get connected to us and be able to access the resources that they need to succeed. One of the things we realized this year with our mentoring program, we doubled. The training from 25 hours to 50 hours. But we laid back on the mentoring. And what we found was that was a wrong direction. Our businesses need that one on one. So, no matter how much information you throw at them, if they don't really have the opportunity to sit with someone and really identify how that information pertains to their business, to think it through, to plan it out, you lose some of them and all of that information distribution. And so, critically having our mentors on hand and being able to provide that one-on-one is something that we're really committed to. So we've seen across the nation, more veteran organizations developing women, as well as minority programs. And in Dallas, we have a program called BUILD, which is an acronym for Broadening Urban Investment to Leverage Dallas. And that program includes about 100 different business development banks, CDFIs, coming together to support our Dallas community. We've gotten investments from our mayor, as well as from our state, and we are doing those programs you all talked about, a number of different uh, grant programs, accelerators, that include grant money. But they also include that critical technical assistance that the business needs, so that they don't spend that money just paying off bills, but they use that money To grow their business to increase their revenue so that then they have the revenues to pay their bills so teaching them how to negotiate debt how to redefine their debt and not just worry about paying it off and build their revenues and really be able to grow their businesses so um, we're excited to be able to share what the veteran women's enterprise center is doing we hope to connect with all of you as well as those of you that have veteran clients on here and be, continue to share with us what you're seeing. Felicia, also, we saw a lot of women over 50 running their businesses for many years and just not being able to access the support that they need. And those of you that don't know in the military, and I'm a veteran myself, we were taught, get it done. So, if nobody tells you how to do it, you just go and figure out how to do it. So, many of them just push forward without really having the support that they needed to take their business to the next level. So, we're that gap filler. We're working with those women that are under a million dollars, a lot of them, and they're trying to get there, but just didn't know how to scale their business or have the support or well, the finances, as we talked about. To really put those things in place to take their business to the next level so i know we're, we're short on time i don't want to take up too much of your time but those are the things that we're doing and we want to continue to take them national and work with you are i've heard some amazing programs we want to get connected to to bring our women veteran into the fold and make sure that they have a place where they can connect and where they can grow and again if you want to know if women veteran are a part of your network don't ask them if they're a veteran because once women veterans do not self-identify, ask them, have you served in the military? And oh. then you will know if you have a female veteran within your population, not if you're a veteran. Because a lot of women veterans, if they didn't deplore, they don't feel that they're a veteran. And we even hear that from some of our men. Oh, wow. So you have to ask them, did you serve, did you in, serve the in the military? And you will find out, okay. and I'll, probably you'll be surprised, how many women veterans you have within your circle that you never knew. Thank you, please. Absolutely, that was
4: amazing. Please, please, please be sure to share. Um, I just heard so many good things. Fast track the contract, and that was one of them. Um, and your, your National Veterans Day, um, whatever events you have around that. But please be sure to share all your programming um, with our, uh, with our guests today in the chat so people can understand how to access all those resources. I mean, you shared some amazing tools. Um, and so I I, wanna, I, I do want to pause and see if we have any questions. I mean, I know we shared a lot of information. Um, and uh, and I'm going to try to see if I can see any hands raised. I, I don't know if that I have this view correct.
0: Yeah, it's um, beautiful.
4: So do we have any questions, Colin? Uh, and or do we have somebody, a hand, do we have a hand raise? I know that we've shared a, a lot. No questions yet.
2: Okay.
4: Um, no, I can't you believe
2: I can Share a little bit more um, if we're... Go right ahead, Classy. So um, I just think it's just wonderful information, even as a resource provider to hear some of the best practices, some of the innovative strategies that um, the chambers, economic development organizations, Um, other technical assistance partners are providing, you know, across the region. I think it's just phenomenal. Um, You know, I I heard uh, Ms. Small talk about, you know, this this ability to scale. Um, And one of the programs that we put in place at the Urban League of Louisiana in 2018 was a program called Scale Up Louisiana. And we put this program in place because we saw that need and the gap uh, that exists for uh, specifically women and minority-owned businesses in building a business that lasts beyond themselves, Mm. right? Um, So when we start to talk about equity, we start to talk about generational wealth wealth creation, um, the way in which to do that through entrepreneurship is to build a business that lasts beyond yourself. Um, to build a business that is profitable, but it has to be scalable. And so one of the things that we've been doing very intentionally at the Urban League of Louisiana is working with our early stage businesses to get them to redefine, rethink, reimagine their business models with a scalability lens on. And we don't use that term loosely. Um, We really focus in on working with businesses to um, adjust or pivot their business models um, to really where they focus on exponentially increasing their revenue but only incrementally increasing their operating expenses um, because we know that they're in is where they can get money uh, and get resources to reinvest into the business to grow in so we really are intentional about that and we are um, we were supposed to launch our fourth cohort last week, but Hurricane Ida um, uh, came our way, so we're postponing it. But uh, we're now in our fourth cohort of businesses, again, that, that meet that, that that they're in that space, right, of, of where to go next, what to do next in order to become scalable. And a lot of businesses aren't even thinking about it, right? They just know that something isn't working. They know that you know, they're still robbing Peter to pay Paul. They know that they're still having issues with making payroll. Um, and so when we see these challenges again and again we start to really dig deeper into what is the root cause and um our scale up louisiana program um you know enables us to work with businesses one-on-one it's an educational program so it's an an, uh, accelerator immersion program but of course our businesses get one-on-one business counseling um when they come through the program um and, and i wanted to you know really Make sure that I didn't leave today's uh, session without thanking Lynette McIver and uh, without thanking Troy Broussard from AARP Louisiana for their dedication and support. They um, are really um, on the ground, boots on the ground with us here in um, the state of Louisiana working with us one-on-one to provide resources and education to our small businesses, specifically our women-owned businesses and minority-owned businesses and those in the 50 plus category. And so, um, again, I wanna thank them. We've also been able to work with them on veterans programs. So um, back in 2018, we launched our veterans uh, small business breakfast and resources summit. And during that event, we highlight the work of our small businesses, our veteran small businesses, we celebrate them, uh, but also we wanna make sure that we're sharing with them all the resources that become available to them um, as a veteran and the spouses as well. Um, and so um, we've been uh, happy to have the support of AARP um, in launching those those uh, those resource summits uh, every year. Um, and uh, this year we'll be doing it again uh, during uh, Veteran Small Business Week. Um, and so um, again, I'm so proud and so thankful for um, and appreciative of the work of AARP and supporting again, boots on the ground and um, supporting the work that we're doing because as resource partners, as technical assistance providers, we rely um, so heavily as a nonprofit organization rely on um, the support of our stakeholders. We rely um, on an annual basis on, of you all supporting the work that we do in a big way and in a major way. And so we appreciate that. Um, and so I, I, I'll share in the chat just some of the other programs that we have um, at the Urban League of Louisiana, I heard Carol—I think it was Carol—talked earlier about, um, you know, other opportunities for funding for businesses. And so, um, I also mentioned collaboration because I think it's also important to talk about and to highlight some of the programs that we've been able to put together, um, you know, with collaborative partners uh, within our region. And so, um, in in response to the COVID nineteen pandemic, um, we put together um, actually. Uh, a number of micro grants programs, and these are emergency funding uh, programs to support small businesses. Again, being very intentional. Intentional. We work with the Ford uh, Foundation to launch a program for businesses here in New Orleans for Black-owned businesses, um, again that have been impacted by um, the pandemic. Um, providing them with $1,500 grants. We also um, worked and are continuing to work with um, the City of Baton Rouge. Um, and this is a, a program that was put together through the I'm care that, that we are providing $2,500 micro grants to small businesses in low to moderate income communities within East Baton Rouge Parish. Um, and I bring that up because I think it's important that we all think about um, while we are um, thinking about resources that in. in uh, impacting our Black and Brown communities, we also want to make sure that we're impacting those underserved, um, you know, communities, our LMI communities, and also our rural communities. Um, and so, uh, we got to make sure that we're also extending our hand um, in that direction. Uh, so, just wanted to share a couple of, you know, of, of those programs and also those resources that we've been able to provide. Um, again, we're excited to continue. Um, we have a long way to go. I also want to talk to Fallon uh, with Black Restaurant Week. Uh, through the PepsiCo Foundation, we were able to launch the Black Restaurant Accelerator Program um, across the state of Louisiana, um, and it's an accelerator program. Uh, we're working one-on-one with businesses to provide them with the education. And we we're talking about, again, a deeper dive. We're talking about front of the house, back of the house. We're talking about staffing. We're talking about you know the financial structure of a, a restaurant or, or food truck or catering business. And so we really focus in on, um, again, being very deliberate um, and I think that's what you know um, we've seen across across the country. Just this very focused and intentional level of, um, you know, support. Right? You can't. We can't stay on the surface anymore. We sure. have to get get down deep into the, the challenges and the the reasons why our businesses may not be successful. We gotta get them there. And the way to get them there is to work together, but to work very deliberately on um, um, addressing those issues that, that we have. And through that program, we're also, um, in, and Mark is doing it as well, through the National Urban League and pe- the PepsiCo Foundation, But we're giving um, $10,000 grants uh, to select Food service operators in our in our regions, and so again, lots going on. Um, uh, I'll I'll put our website uh, in the chat, but please, um, for all of you that want to connect in the state of Louisiana, um, you know, please feel free to reach out to me, um, and I'd be happy to to discuss any programming or resources that can help you.
4: Thank <coughs> excuse me. Thank you, Classy, for that. That 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 uh, that was great, um, and it just shows you. That um, uh, or many of you all, and I'm sure those who have not shared, um, are very multidimensional, and really, um, really thinking outside the box on um, what are the needs of our business owners and how do we respond um, in very different ways uh, and meeting and meeting businesses where they are. Uh, Mark, I know that you uh, earlier talked about. Um, how you all are now working with the Latinx um, business owners. And I think a lot of times when we talk about businesses of color, we oftentimes go to really kind of going to Black-owned businesses, uh, but forgetting that, you know, the Latinx community, you know, there's a whole network of uh, business ownership there um, that I don't, I'm not sure that they're getting the, the, the training and resources that they need to to grow and scale. So talk to us a little bit about what you all did with the Latinx community and how
6: that worked. The Latinx community is made up of a number of other smaller communities. Mm. You know, people from Colombia, people from Dominican, you know, and they all operate differently. It's a very culturally intensive uh, group of people. So we had to actually go into the community, go into the businesses and pass it by word of mouth. Mm -hmm. okay because they're they're concerned with a lot of times we're asking for information that they consider too much information okay because a lot of them are working with uh, they don't may not have U.S. citizenship Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of other uh, issues that we have to deal with but we actually had to we brought on two people from Colombia that speak fluent Spanish like I speak Spanish enough to order from Taco Bell but uh But I think that you really, they really have to trust There's really a very big trust factor that we had to overcome. But once we overcame it, it came running. Like now our workshops are 25 and 28 people and started out with four and five people, but it was just a process that we had to go through, but we had to put feet on the ground in the community. Great,
4: great. Uh, so you know, um, I, I know that VR talked a lot about. Um, she said that you know, 96% of the women that you're serving are African American, and so a VR, um, are you all um, finding that a large a contingency of Latinx women um, who um, who have served are are taking advantage of your resources and and how how are you successful or not?
5: Um, getting them to um, use your okay, resources.
4: get back to the
0: screen,
5: Shoot. Absolutely, Felicia. And and I'm going to have to say no, because it is a very unique community. Um, outreach is very important. Veteran women often tend to isolate. Um, they do their things on their own, and we kind of find them by, by tripping over and finding them. And oftentimes, I'll get a business owner and say, hey, share our information with other veteran women you know. And they'll say to me, I don't know any other veteran women. So one of the things that we're working on is really getting that word out there and really building that community so that they don't isolate, so that they know that there is a resource for you. Um, Many of you may not be aware of military sexual traumas, but a lot of women experienced it. And so a lot of our business programs are dominated by men and veteran women are not going to complain. They're just not gonna participate. So again, they will isolate themselves in these situations because they don't know of anything that's designed for them where they can find other women veteran that they can collaborate with so they just try to do it on their own we want to see and we know there are latino women asian women um, that are part of the veteran community but they're not being engaged and so that's another reason why i said it's so important and i'm so glad that so many chambers are here in the urban league and other groups so that they can let their clients know that we exist so that they can reach out to us for support, and then we can begin to get them connected. Another one of our shortcomings was that a lot of our funding came out of North Texas, and those funders wanted us to serve North North Texas. Texas. So that limited a lot of the impact that we could have across the nation when different programs were restricted to who could participate. So we want to be able to branch wow. that out. We love to work with you guys at AARP and other groups yes. to get that word out yes. there to more women veterans. So they know here's a community. It's a safe community, and um, we have brick and mortar. Our brick and mortar facilities in Dallas, and we have co-working space. It is the only part of our brick and mortar that is exclusive to females. We do not have any males in our co-working space they can come to our conference center for workshops and they can come in our cafe lounge um, to relax and grab coffee but our co-working space where the women work is exclusively for female or entrepreneurial women associated with the military so we're definitely working hard this year and into 2022 to engage that larger population of women of color um, but also to stay connected to our african-american women that want to grow their businesses and make sure that as you said we're serving we're finding out what they really need and we're not developing programs that really don't meet
4: need the needs of the women we're trying to serve yeah that's important that is so important that um that you don't build programs in a box um and and you and I always say just because you build it that does not mean people will come oh, absolutely. But it's, it's, <laughs> it's about building relationships and so, um, Melinda, you know, you, you all are about to take this thing on the road. And so, how are you all ensuring that um, you're reaching um, broader audiences of people of color through this work that you're doing? Thank you again for the opportunity.
3: Um, we started with our interns over the summer and did an outreach and collected data. And also, what we've done. We reached with the black mayor's association we contacted our um black municipalities um and we able to first we started let me just go a little back so you could, guys can know where we started and where we're at today we started in the city of Fayetteville we started a, the um Georgia greater black chamber of commerce which we started in the local area where we live so it was very convenient right and um, and from that we built and we- went to the next county the next county so now our goal is to go to georgia has 159 counties which is a big elephant right so we're going to take it county by county and now we're in millersville we're in south georgia um, we're in tunesburg we're in union city fairburn um, city of south Fulton, atlanta DeKalb county Gwinnett County and so we're going county by county or city by city so we're really um moving pretty swiftly and fast and then also we got folks look up our website we redid our website with just a plus and our our website is attracting a lot of folks as well so we're definitely doing the outreach right and so I know that
4: we you know we have about 15 minutes and I want to and in that time because i don't know if we have any comments if anybody wanted to add any comments from our audience um i want people the opportunity to to weigh in if they want to do we have any hands or comments or questions
3: but, but mr felicia i want to add one more thing sure. and, and to emphasize again with the outreach we thank our partners like aarp <laughs> because you
4: guys really got us places we couldn't get so we appreciate that. Absolutely, absolutely. Anything that we can do to support our local organizations, um, and so you know, I, we know that this work is not easy. Uh, and anything I think that is really uh, reaching the masses does not start out easy. It takes a lot of uh, a lot of work. And so I want to uh, ask you all, you know, what if you what if what are some of the challenges you've encountered? and what um how do you see other organizations because we know that relationships and collaborations are are really important to the growth of the work that you're doing so talk to us about what have been some of the challenges um in in your scaling and reaching um more people that you want to serve and what role and how can other organizations really help you get there uh and anybody who wants to Start kick us off. Uh, uh, Mark, I see you not
6: on mute, so I'll just kick it to you. I think what we're doing and what we're hearing here on this call is collaboration is key. Okay, and I think that we're sharing now. That's something that happened during COVID. Everybody started sharing here in Atlanta. We started having big community meetings where all the community organizations got together and shared what they know. And looking at this call today, we're doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I've taken some notes about stuff I'm going to be start doing here. So I don't want y'all to think I'm biting at anything like that. You got some great stuff going on, <laughs> you know, and, but, but we can all lean on each other to get that information. I'm sure people are already sharing contact information. And I'm going to reach out to her to find out how they did that. But I think that's what we're doing. I think the purpose of this call is so that we can hear all these things and start sharing.
4: Great. Um, I understand we have Patricia Lee, who wanted to
1: add something. Um, yes, not necessarily add, but maybe ask questions. Okay. Um, I identify with the uh, speaker that indicated that a funder in certain areas, there are funders that say that they're national funders. But typically, they want to find where their that's what's closest to where their brick and mortar is. Um, that is a particular problem for small to medium-sized cities where there, number one, isn't a lot of large funders uh, that can help uh, funding an organizations and what have you. And number two, uh, my, I have a question as to whether there's anybody out there who can uh, provide information on how to get capital for large brick-and-mortar projects that will be a benefit not only only to small business owners that are beginning and emerging and house programs that support them but also those kinds of projects that will improve the decline of of uh, a community bring black uh black wall streets if you will to a community and uh what have you because a lot of time especially in small to middle size uh southern cities People tend to be afraid from the top level of leadership right down to the, the citizen level, and they don't think it's possible. If you talk to them about an eight or 10 or $12 million project, they look at you like, oh, wow, um, that's never been done. It can't be done. Uh, he or she is crazy to even think such a thing, uh, but it is possible. Uh, and I know that from experience because I've lived so many places. Mm-hmm. And one of those places was Atlanta and, and, and um, they are exactly right. Georgia is an excellent place. The, the best place was like small black business owners. I live in Florida, North Central Florida and tried to bring some of the, what I've learned and experienced when I lived in Atlanta and seven other states and 16, uh, 16 cities here, but it's a it's a challenge uh in many ways so I'd like to see whether there's any kind of uh information regarding capital to help put in place multifaceted um brick and mortar projects that address more than just training and mentorship. Mm-hmm. And so you're in Florida Patricia? I am Gainesville
4: Florida. Good um and so Melinda Melinda has put her contact in the yes. in the information in the chat Patricia. For you to contact her to explore that further. Look at there. Okay, See? I certainly will do that. Thank You're you. You're absolutely welcome. And uh, Kay, <laughs> Kay wanted to. add. Uh... Hi.
7: Kay. Yep. I I wanted to uh, share with our audience um, the a, a couple of examples of the the power of. Uh, uh, Private and uh, public partnerships. Uh, you, now, I, I work for AARP Georgia. My colleague uh, Felicia is uh, AARP, which we call AARP National. So she's based in the DC area, which is where our national headquarters is. Um, we would not be able to do what we do without the partnership of just within our organization, the power. Of, of the collaboration of the work that Felicia does, supporting the work that I do here in Metro Atlanta so that she can have this regional uh, uh, conference, uh, a roundtable, ta- uh, town hall is an example of that. I wanted to share that and that how important that is because I think um, Mark uh, mentioned how uh, collaborations are really key. Uh, Last month we had our small business webinar uh, themed a conversation with a fifty plus um, entrepreneur and a couple of my panelists were people that I had connected through Felicia and one of them was in my backyard I had not met her but through the you know connect connecting through just within my organization I got to meet Kimberly. Uh, Baytops, who was featured on the small business, the AARP Small Business Resource Center for the 50-plus. Felicia has this great program called Meet the Funder Series. I'm giving you a plug there, Felicia. Um, But there are amazing people that she talks to. And I, I happened to be on there and I was like, wow, this lady is in Metro Atlanta. I need to connect with her. And so through Felicia, I connected with her. So I wanted to say that, and also thinking out of the box, I think some folks talked about thinking out of the box. There are other entrepreneurs that, was, that were on that webinar. For example, um, Yolanda Owens, who has uh, been featured by Sisters uh, from AARP. I'm gonna put that in the chat. Sisters from AARP is a digital newsletter for African-American black women. And and I'm, and I'm serious, no topic is off limits. It's amazing the the content, but Yolanda was featured on there as one of the um, six day spar, black owned um, day spars um, to, to do business. And she was right here in my backyard. I had started talking to her, but thought it was again, another way for us to engage. And then thirdly, um, one of the uh, things we've talked about is business, and we haven't talked about self-care. Um, AARP uh, is very is a big advocate for caregiving, and um, the planners or so the, the Financial Planners Association of Georgia is one of our partners this year. And at their annual conference in May we did a webinar on creating creating a small business caregiving friendly workplace um, it's important to get funding it's important to get all of those connections but it doesn't do you any good if your workforce is stressed out and one in six people Um, in our workplace is a caregiver and that's something that is very important to us to AARP to make sure that we're um, supporting them, giving them the resources. So I, I just wanted to tie that with the conversation that we're doing that that's one of the things that AARP is able to offer small business owners and entrepreneurs is the tools for caregiving which which Eventually, it affects our bottom line. If you have people who are working for you, they're able to focus and uh, perform uh, efficiently. Anything else you wanna add, Felicia?
4: No, no, no. I think Colin can put in the link, the Small Business yes. Care Giving Resource Center. Such an important people guy. people who are interested in um, learning and getting those resources that we provide, the ARP provides for businesses who have employees, Yes, that are caregivers. So that is a very important um, topic and an important site that we offer um, for uh, business owners uh, to understand how to talk to the employees about um, caregiving and their caregiving needs. Especially right now with the pandemic. Exactly, exactly. Do we have any final comments from anyone um, before we conclude for today?
5: Yes caregiving one of the things that we saw last year uh, uh 2020 um, that we have to think about our business owners mm-hmm. these are not just business beings; these are human beings mm-hmm. um, many of our women are head of households um, single parents and so when we were doing all the work around to support businesses we also need to think about them a little more holistically and realize that many of those business owners had challenges with mortgages they had challenges with other things and oftentimes, the only piece we looked at was the business piece. And it's just like you said, if you're not healthy or you're stressed out, you're not going to be successful at that business piece that we're focused in on. And I know in the military community, we're used to consolidated resources. They're not used to having to run all over the place. And so it's something that we can and should look at when we think about programs, particularly for women. Um, we think about women are not just... A business but they're oftentimes mothers and heads of households and there are other resources that they need and that we may need to be particularly in these kind of times connected to and have resources too so that they don't have to run all over the place trying to find services and also some of our government programs they may not have the documentation as a business owner to qualify for some of those programs and so, once again, we're giving them great business support, but on the other end, they're completely stressed out and losing it because there are other things they can't put in to pocket or support. So, just, just a note of how, that's at great. least for us, we're looking at doing more wraparound, more holistic programming um, so that we can serve the full woman and the full business. And that's a great, very great, po- uh, a good
4: point, VR. I think in the to, when we talk about women entrepreneurship in particular, we can't look at them at one, at, in one dimension. And that they're trying to juggle their business, but they're also trying to um, juggle um, their homes, their, their mothers, their, their wives, their, their grandmothers, their aunts. Um, so they're, they're more, they're more than, than just a business owner and, and they're attending to their, their businesses as well as attending to their lives and their loved ones. So that's a very good point. Um, And so no, we're at time. I mean, I want to honor people's time. This has been an amazing conversation. I can't believe that an hour and a half has gone by so quickly. Um, That's what happens when you're having such rich dialogue. Um, And so I I hope you all agree that um, this has been rich um, and we hope that you all in your respective communities. Oh, am I gone? Are you still here? (laughs) I
7: thought
4: they cut me off.
7: No. no, no, no. We I just started
6: sharing my screen so you can oh, see okay. the the other and, the final date.
4: Thank you, Colin. And so yes, we hope you continue this conversation um in your respective communities. As you can tell that um, local work is so 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 very important. Um but I also wanna remind you that we have one more uh, town hall conversation. Uh, Next week, I think Colin has it on the screen. I encourage you to come on back, uh, share it with your friends, your partners, your colleagues to join us around what's happening in the Western part of the the country. Um, And uh, and so we can learn more about what's happening there. And I know that like Fallon shared how she's uh, working across the country Uh, Melinda shared how she's working across the country. DR shared how they're working across the country. So this conversation is important as as these organizations have tentacles um, throughout the country to really kind of help and support and bolster um, communities of color and businesses of color. So so thank you, thank you, thank you. And for those of you who will join me next week, I will see you then. Um, And so Colin, take us away.
6: Thank you all so much, and we just appreciate everyone's time and and, and just the wonderful conversation today. Um, But we hope everybody
2: has a nice rest of their week, and stay safe. This is now the official end to the program. Wow, that was a lot.
0: see, I need somebody just to do that. Oh, mercy. That was awesome, 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 awesome. I feel you guys enjoyed that.